In the first book of the Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, there's a scene where Mr. and Mrs. Beaver are telling the children who have found their way into this magical world of Narnia about the great lion, Aslan. Now the children are surprised to hear that this one, that the hopeful beasts of Narnia are hoping will rescue them, is a lion. They're expecting a big, strong, carnivorous lion to be the one who saves them. And so the question is asked by the children. It's a natural question. Is Aslan safe? Well, Mr. Beaver replies to the children, of course he's not safe, but he is good. I didn't notice this line as a child reading those books, but when I went back to them as an adult, it has stuck with me. I remember it frequently because it shows how small my understanding of God often is. My natural desire, and maybe your natural desire too, is to have a safe God. But should I view the Lord of heaven and earth, the sovereign of all of creation, the one who is so powerful that he spoke everything that is into existence, should I be viewing him as safe? His power and his majesty and his holiness should give us pause on whether or not we can go before him on our own. And the truth of the matter is, the fact is, we cannot go before him on our own. It is only because he is good and because he is merciful that we're able to come into his presence. But you and I struggle with that idea because we want to craft God in our image and make him into a benevolent grandfather who we want to do our bidding. But as I said, he is the sovereign of creation. He is the Holy One. And so he isn't safe. But he is good because he works salvation for his people. Now as we come to this well-known passage, we find ourselves this morning getting to the point where Jacob wrestles with God. Jacob's life has been filled with struggles, and clearly he feels that these struggles have been with men. But as we will see in this story, Jacob has ultimately been wrestling with God. And we will find that despite all of his sin and all of his rebellion, Jacob is going to find out that the Lord of heaven and earth has been good to him. Now before we get into this story, let's break it down a little so we can see where we're going and know what to look for as we interpret and apply this passage. The first point this morning that we're going to see is that Jacob is afraid and filled with anxiety. He is living in fear and if you recall the story from last week, we can understand that he should be afraid. He is headed towards the brother that he has deceived, the brother that he's stolen the blessing from. And that brother is now powerful. That brother is now wealthy. And he's waiting for him with a small army. In fear, 
Jacob divides his family and he separates himself from them. Secondly, we're going to see that while he is alone, someone comes and wrestles with him. If you don't know the story, this would be rather unexpected. This is kind of an odd thing. And Jacob wrestles with this adversary through the night, and neither he or the adversary is able to prevail. And finally, we find out the identity of the opponent. It is God who has come to Jacob, and this encounter has a profound effect on Jacob. He is not only changed physically due to an injury during the struggle, but Jacob is also given a new name. God changes who he is. And so, for our first point, we're going to take a look at the first two verses, and they remind us of what we looked at last week and the situation that Jacob finds himself in. And as we recall, Jacob has gone through this awkward process, right, of dividing his family and possessions into two camps. And the reason for this is so that he doesn't lose everything if Esau attacks one of the other camps. Now, while this seems like a good strategy, it's likely futile, right? I was driving somewhere this past week and had a little time to think, and this little plan of Jacob's came back into my mind. These are the things I think about, folks. I'm trying to figure out why did they do what they do, right? I couldn't help but think, what are the chances of this little plan of Jacob's working? Wouldn't Esau track down camp two after he defeated camp one? Was the hope of Jacob that Esau and his men wouldn't be able to find the other camp if the first one was attacked? And as I thought about this, I, I realized these questions I have are really kind of the point, right? What we're to understand here in the story is that, that Jacob's situation is dire, and his plans are a desperate attempt not to lose everything he has. This isn't necessarily a good plan. That's the point. His state of affairs is, is really, really bad. And so as we recall this, this plot that Jacob had to save as much as possible, we see that Jacob is disturbed by all of this because he arises at night. You don't work at night. He's not going to go out and water the sheep and the goats, right? So why would he get up? The reason is, is he's fearful. He's like you or I when we wake up in the middle of the night and we have something that's on our mind. We don't just lay in bed because we know, know it's futile. We get up and, and do something. And Jacob is doing the same thing. He likely can't get what's going on, this whole situation out of his mind. And we see that to help maybe ease his mind a little, he gets his family on the move. They ford the river Jabbok and right here in the middle of the night, and I bet that was popular with the family. I, I, bet, I bet that went over really well. I, I'm guessing tensions in the camp were already high. And then you see Jacob is so upset that he is having you cross the river in the middle of the night. Yeah, I'm sure that didn't upset anyone or make them more afraid. I'm sure, I'm sure everything was just calm while they were doing this. I bet it was just a load of fun because if you think about it, it's a chore to get a few people in your house to get up a little bit early and, and go on a car trip, even after they've maybe even had adequate sleep, everybody is grumbling. Nobody wants to go. Even though you're going someplace fun, even though they've had adequate sleep more than likely, they're still grumbling, oh, why do we have to leave now? Imagine what this was like for the family of Jacob, right? 
uh, doing this in the middle of the night. But as we think about the difficulty and the potential futility of all of it, I believe that we see something about Jacob here. He is more worried about his family than himself. This is growth in Jacob. He is, he is staying apart from them in hopes that Esau will be pleased to just come into contact with him, maybe even just to harm him. He's not running off and sending his family forward, right? He's not sending them in front of him and saying, maybe he'll take the camp and he'll get the anger out and I can run away, I can go back and hide someplace. That's not what he's doing. He's defending his family. He's to the point where it would seem that he is willing to own up to this chaos that he's created with his brother. And that's a good thing. That's, as I said, that's growth in Jacob. This isn't the Jacob who deceived and got what he wanted and then skipped town to get away from the consequences. This is a Jacob who truly understands the gravity of what he's done, and, and he's doing his best to protect those that he loves and the stuff that he values from experiencing harm. And so as we move on to our second point, let's review where we find Jacob right now. He's sleepless. He's clearly nervous and filled with anxiety. And if you've ever been in a situation like that, you know that he's on edge like you've been on edge. And probably the last thing you need in that moment, right, is to be left alone. Your mind goes all over the place. But yet as we move on to the next section of the passage, we find that Jacob has isolated himself. So let's think about this a little bit further. Let's imagine where Jacob is. It's dark. Nothing but the light of the stars and the moon. He's fearful. He's sleepless. And therefore, probably more than a little paranoid. And then suddenly, something happens. A man wrestles with him. Imagine what would have gone through Jacob's mind as he's attacked. Who is this? Has Esau sent an assassin through the darkness to attack me in the middle of the night? Have my worst fears come to pass? Is all my paranoia that I've been having legitimate? But clearly, he didn't have time to dwell on those thoughts because he has to defend himself. And it's important that we notice how Moses is telling this story here. You know, you and I, we know the story, and we know who the attacker is. We, we just read the whole thing, and you know the story from before. You probably even remember the story from back in Sunday school. But if you're reading the story for the first time, how is it written? What does Moses do? What doesn't Moses want us to know yet? He doesn't want us to know who the attacker is. We're left to wonder, along with Jacob, what, what's going on here? If you had to guess, not knowing the story, what would you think was happening? Who would you guess the attacker to be? Probably Esau, like I suggested, or, or an assassin sent by him. But the identity is kept a secret. And I think this story is one that is difficult for us to imagine. How in the world do these guys wrestle until the breaking of the day? If you wrestle with your kids on the floor for a few minutes, you're exhausted. Even high school wrestling matches, they go two minutes and they have a break, right? That's how this happens. You, you get worn out. Fighting is hard. Now, we don't know how long 
this match between Jacob and this assailant is. But it isn't like Jacob is attacked at 550 and the sun comes up at 6. The idea in the text is that this is a significant struggle and it's lasting a while. Jacob has been unable to sleep with anxiety and fear and likely longing for morning, right? He wants morning to come. And then he is attacked and time stands still. Isn't it like these two would wrestle for five minutes and then agree to take a break for a while? Okay, are you ready? I'm ready, right? That's not what's happening. This is a struggle. And there's an urgency in it for Jacob. He has to be thinking that if I lose, this is more than me just losing bragging rights, I will lose my life. He has to be thinking, I've got to prevail. Because what motive could there be for being attacked other than the assailant looking to take his life? And so for Jacob, this is about survival. He's fighting for his life, and he isn't giving up life for anything. And this shouldn't surprise us. This is who Jacob is. This is who Jacob has been. He struggles. He fights. He's not giving up. And when we read that the man doesn't prevail over Jacob, he does something. He, he touches Jacob's hip and puts it out of joint. Now, this is the first indication where Moses is starting to, to let us know who Jacob's wrestling with here because he merely touches the hip and it causes Jacob's hip to go out of joint. And this is not a minor injury because we're going to read further down in the text, as we did, that it causes him to limp. This is impressive power. And so we've seen the setup and we've seen the struggle And now as we move on to our third point, we will get to see who the assailant is and what the point of all of this is. This unknown attacker wants to be let go because it's becoming day. Now, I've heard all the excuses for asking someone to let you go when you're being held, right? I'm having a cramp. You hit my eye. I'll tell mom, right? These are the usual things. Not not valid reasons to let someone go, but they're reasons nonetheless. I've never heard the sun is coming up as a reason to have someone let them go. This is an interesting reason then. It's essentially, let me go, sun's coming up. Now why would that be? Well, it's because Jacob's assailant doesn't want his face to be seen. Now we still haven't had it revealed to us completely who this is. But we know that he has the ability to touch Jacob's hip and dislocate it. So this is no mere man. And we're starting to get the idea of who this is. And obviously Jacob is starting to get the idea too because he refuses to let go unless he receives a blessing. He knows this is not just a human, but something more. And we get confirmation of what Jacob is thinking when the blessing is given to him. The one that Jacob has been wrestling with asked Jacob his name. Now we know who this is that's wrestling Jacob. He knows Jacob's name. But he is getting him to utter it. Why, why would that be? Well, it's because his name was given to him for a particular reason. Remember how Jacob got his name. His name means heel grabber. It means deceiver. This isn't 
uh, what was your name again moment. That, that's not what's going on here. This is having Joseph acknowledge who he is. I'm a deceiver. I'm a heel grabber. That's my name. He's the one who has deceived his brother, the one who's deceived his father. The name given to him by men has defined his path from the beginning of his life. But we're going to see that God gives him a new name. His new name will be Israel, for he has striven with God and with men, and yet he has prevailed. And this isn't about Jacob's power in doing this. This isn't about Whoa, Jacob wrestled God and won, so he gets a new name that, he's, that he has striven with God and with men and survived. This isn't about Jacob. Because what have we learned in his life so far? Through all of his sins and all of his struggles, God has been at work. The whole time, Jacob thought he was struggling with men, but he was really struggling with God. He was wrestling with God the whole time. When we read this story, we don't understand why it was that Jacob was able to prevail. He has wrestled the almighty sovereign of history, and he wasn't defeated. The one who is all-powerful, but Jacob was able to wrestle with him to a draw until God injured his hip. So what's going on? Now, the best way for me to understand this, and I think some of you will understand what I'm talking about here, the best way to understand this is this is like wrestling with your kids or your nieces and nephews, right? It goes on as long as you want it to go on, right? You let them feel like they're winning, but you're bigger, you're stronger, you're more experienced. And if you look up at the clock and decide it's time to go, you can immediately grab them, one, two, three, wrestling match over, right? Or, if you're feeling generous, you can grab them, put them on top of you on your back, done, right? You're in control the whole time. Match is over when you decide it's over. And this illustrates for us the life of Jacob. Because God was the one in control of this struggle the whole time. Jacob was busy wrestling with men, but God was the one he was wrestling with. He was in control of the whole thing. And so as Jacob finds himself going into the promised land, he is seeing that God is the one who's in control. He's going to be going up against Esau, and he's filled with anxiety. He's filled with fear about facing him. But God is the one that he's truly facing. God is the one that he should fear. Just like I mentioned when I started out, God is powerful and mighty he isn't safe, but he is good. In his love and mercy, he has not only been guiding Jacob for his good, but Jacob is the one in the line to the Messiah, the one who will bear the wrath of God for our sin. And so he has been guiding Jacob for you and I, too. And so with the change of name, we understand that Jacob has had many difficulties in life, and he has struggled with God, but he is no longer, no longer named the deceiver. He is not the one who strives with, he is now the one who strives with God and prevails because God is at work in his life and God is going to do his perfect will in the life of Jacob. And as the passage closes out, 
we find that after being given a new identity, Jacob asks for the name of this one who has given him the new name. And the reply he is given is, why is it that you ask my name? And then he blesses Jacob. Now, you or I wouldn't likely be content with that answer. Wait, you answered, you answered my question with a question. You didn't answer my question. What is your name? We, we would want to get the answer more than likely, and, and likely Jacob did too, but we see here that what he was really after was the blessing. He is content to receive a blessing because he understands. He doesn't know the name of the one who's attacked him, but he understands who he has been battling with, and he understands the one who is blessing him. And we see this in the name he gives to where this happened, right? Jacob knows, Jacob names it Peniel. And that name means the face of God. He knows that he has been in the presence of God, but he survived. Again, to be in the presence of God is a grave thing. To not be utterly destroyed by his absolute holiness is an act of mercy and grace by God, and Jacob knows this. He knows he didn't win the wrestling match that night. God showed him mercy. And Christian interpretation throughout history has understood all of this. It has understood who this person is. This is a pre-incarnate appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this is the one who is to come from Jacob's line. The one who will save us from our sin. And this one has come to Jacob in mercy this night to assure him of the deliverance that he is going to receive from his brother. This one that he wrestles with is his Savior. And he is our Savior as well. He delivered his life that night, but on Calvary, he would deliver us from sin, death, hell, and the devil. And so Jacob receives an ever-present reminder of his deliverance because he would walk with a limp. While this may seem like a negative, it's actually a reminder of the grace that was shown to him that night. Instead of losing his life in the presence of God, he merely received a minor injury that would not only help him know that God would deliver him, but it would also let him know that he needs to rely on God because he is with him and will deliver him. As James Montgomery Boyce has said on this passage, in his battle with God, Jacob suffers a reversal of his fortunes, which is actually his victory. He loses his wrestling match with God. God touches his hip and he is permanently wounded. But in the divine logic, which is beyond our full comprehension, this loss is Jacob's victory. For at last, Jacob surrenders himself. He wins by losing. It is now able to go on in new strength as God's man. And so we have seen this story for the ages, where the one on whom the covenant promise rests wrestles with God and lives to be blessed. But what do you and I do with the story? It's a part of the continuing drama in the story of redemption that we have seen here in Genesis, but what do you and I do with it today and in this coming week as we seek to step out into God's world and live as his faithful servants? Well, there's one 
important application that I want us to dwell on from what we've seen this week. Whose strength are you resting in? Are you continually striving after the things of men and doing things on your own? Or are you resting in the sovereign Lord of creation who has saved you and is working for your good and his glory? As we think about the life of Jacob, he's now limping. And the world would have looked at him and thought that he was weak, that he was decrepit. But Jacob walks, knowing that he has the promise of God on him and that God will never leave or forsake him. He was certain that God's strength was made known in his weakness. And the world may look at you and I relying on our crucified and risen Savior to save us and think that you and I are weak. But we are certain that this is how God has rescued us. It's how he molds us and shapes us to work holiness in us We know that when we are weak, he is strong. And so we step away from this place today into a world that desperately, desperately needs to know the deliverance of God. But the world thinks that it needs its own strength, that it needs its own power to prevail. So may our lives be a living witness to the truth of the power of God and the weakness of man. May we rely on God And trust that despite our weakness, he is the one who will prevail. Amen.